Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest, Clarkson women's hockey player and former Boston College women's hockey player, Katrin Longgren, joins the show today. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Katrin, and how's everything going? Good. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. And um, yeah, things are going great. I'm, I'm home in Boston right now with family and friends and um, kind of just enjoying time being here and haven't really seen my family much, you know, because of COVID and we're at school all year. So it's been nice to, to be with them this summer and, you know, catch up on quality time and stuff. That's awesome to hear. And obviously today in Boston, the weather is absolutely beautiful. How are you trying to enjoy this nice weather? Yeah, so um, I actually, where I work out, um, all the conditioning's outside and stuff. So I've been able to, to go outside today and, you know, at least get like some workouts in um, outdoor as well which is pretty nice to you know get some vitamin d and, and whatnot but um i'm not a huge fan of the sun actually um i have really pale skin so i burn pretty quickly so <laughs> i try to get my time and then right back inside yeah i do have pale skin but i have to disagree with you i love being outside especially when the weather's this nice because sometimes you know it can rain a lot during the week or it could be just way too hot to even go outside so i feel like it's important to take advantage of the nice days when they come for sure for sure now, besides uh, obviously training and working out, what else have you been up to since the season ended? Yeah, so um, there's a local summer girls team here called Team One Hockey, and um, I coach younger kids um, throughout the summer in various different tournaments. And um, it's been really awesome just to kind of give back to women's hockey and also, you know, see some of the future of what women's hockey looks like. And we have players from, you know, eight years old all the way to 17. So it's been really a fun experience to kind of get on the ice with them and kind of get to, get to coach them on the weekends when they have tournaments and whatnot. So that's something I pretty much do all summer and takes up a lot of my time, but I really love it and enjoy it. And we have a great group of girls. So. Yeah. And obviously what's your training look like for the off season and what do you hope to work on regarding your game for next season? Yeah, so um, my training in the off season, a lot of it, you know, obviously starts in the weight room. I'm, you know, pretty religiously um, there uh, Monday through Friday, and I make sure to get that workout in. I train with Stadium Performance and Dedham, and he's been my trainer for the past three years. And uh, anytime I get the chance to, to be home, he's the first person I go to, and I obviously try to get on the ice two to three days a week. Um, for next season, I'm definitely working on, you know, trying to score more. Um, working on my shot and trying to find different areas to, you know, score goals and, you know, trying to increase, you know, goal scoring from not just breakaways or, you know, two-on-ones, but like tips and screens and kind of gritty area goals. So that's something I'm really trying to work on to, you know, take to the next level and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. Those are what gets you uh, the money. That's what they always say, getting those dirty yeah. goals and being in front of the net. That's how I scored most of my goals. I never had the skill set to win on, win, make a two-on-one or get a breakaway goal. I just never mm -hmm. had the hands for it. So luckily you have the hands for it. So if you learn <laughs> how to score those dirty goals, uh, who knows what the NCAA goal mark would be like for you. Be awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Now let's start off talking about the beginning of your hockey career. So you're from Roslindale, Massachusetts. Uh, just talk about growing up there and how did you start playing? Yeah, so I grew up playing uh, boys hockey for Hyde Park. Um, the Eagles and I, I played with boys up until checking and um, really wasn't too into the girls' side until um, one of my coaches, actually his daughter, played for Assabet Valley. And 
um, when I was becoming like U10, he was like U11. He said, you know, this program at the time was the best program in mass. And he like, you should really try to get your daughter there. So I went to a skate. And obviously once I joined with the girls, I, I realized how much fun I was having and, you know, having teammates that, you know, were the same as me and being able to do that. So I played boys hockey there and then for Aspit. Um, and that's kind of, you know, where I started and a lot of the credit I give to because, you know, as a young age, you, you need to have coaches that obviously show passion and I had that. Um, so I'm really thankful that, you know, they helped me, you know, continue to love hockey at a young age to, you know, to be where I am today. Now, was there a particular player or team that you liked watching growing up? Um, yeah, I guess growing up, I've always been a huge fan of Kendall Coyne. Um, when she was at Northeastern, I, I try to go to as many games as I could. And um, she's just been someone that I, I try to model as much as I can after. I just love her speed and the way she finds areas and how she breaks down defensemen. So I went to her Beanpot games every year. And I just someone that, you know, still to this day, um, I think she's an awesome person and just a really great hockey player. And I just love the way she does things. And anytime I get the opportunity to either play with her or against her or just watch her, I, I still do. But ever since I was younger. Yeah. And the funny thing about Kendall Coyne is she's obviously one of the best female women's hockey players, but I feel like she'll be more remembered for what she's doing for the women's game by coaching with the Absolutely. Chicago organization and doing player development with them as well. Absolutely, for sure. She's she's an awesome person. I, I, I have nothing but amazing things to say about her, but she's, you know, so much bigger than hockey. She's just an overall, like, great leader, great person, and that's something I really, you know, have looked up to to her as well and someone I hope to, you know, be like. So, Did you get the chance to see the Twitter video of her, like, uh, I don't know what it's called, like having an end-of-meeting, player meeting with a player for the Blackhawks? I thought that was cool just to get No, I haven't. Oh, if you should check it out, if you get the chance, it's a really cool video. Just because obviously you get to see how uh, NHL player development people break down film for prospects, which I thought was cool to see. But to just just to see her in that role as well was really cool to see. For sure. Now, uh, before Clarkson, uh, you played for Nobles Academy. Uh, just talk about that experience for a little bit and uh, what it meant to you. Yeah, for sure. So Nobles is, you know, somewhere that I hold really close to my heart. Um, I absolutely like ever since I was a seventh grader, it was my dream to go to Nobles and, and play for Tom Rezor and um, to be part of that school academically and, you know, on the hockey team. And um, the hockey team was absolutely incredible. It wasn't even the games that I, you know, valued the most. It was the practices, um, the players on the ice. I mean, I now I look at I look back my junior year, all three lines that we had, all four lines ended up going division one or top end D3 and, um, just like the competitiveness we had in practice and the people that I got to, you know, go against and be with every single day, that made a huge difference. And when it came game time, I felt that, you know, we competed harder in practice, that games felt easier. Um, and Tom Rezor, he's a mentor to me and someone that I still communicate with. Um, and just a coach that he knows so much about the game and um, helped me in areas that I really needed work in and really just overall really improved my game, just having him as a coach. And, you know, I know the girls at Nobles now, you know, I've seen so much development in them when I go to their games just from their freshman year to senior year. And I credit him for that. Um, just kind of the way he creates a culture in the locker room and the type of people he recruits and the type of, you know, school Noble ha Nobles has. Because um, academically, it, it, you know, it was a big reason why I wanted to go there and I wanted to get, you know, a high-end education. And 
Nobles had that. And I was just fortunate that the hockey was just as great too. So yeah, I, I want my future kids to go there one day. It's definitely, you know, one of my favorite places. And my mom actually works there now. Um, she nannies for one of the families. And um, so I'm on campus whenever I can. And, you know, I just miss it there. So. Who are some uh, notable players that were on your team when you were with Nobles? Yeah, so um, Rebecca Gilmore, she is now at Harvard. Um, Bridget McCarthy, she played at Boston College. Abby Volo, she played at Boston College, um, is still there. Courtney Highland, she is at Harvard as it will be a sophomore. Um, Lily Farden on the, as a sophomore as well at Harvard University. Um, our goaltenders, now the BC goalie, Kelly Pickering. So, and then Katie Tresca was another player I played with for two years. And she, um, she actually had to end her career from an injury, but she's at Harvard University, was supposed to play there. Um, super awesome player. And so, and then at Casey O'Brien at Wisconsin. So we were definitely um, a very strong team with a lot of different offensive threats. And that's what kind of made us special. Um, we also had, you know, Lily Farden, who was one of the best he I've ever played with. And she was on the U18 team as well and at Harvard now, too. So a lot of Harvard and uh, Boston College commits. Is yeah, it, for sure. Is for it sure. just how it worked out or is, I just thought that was interesting? Yeah, I think like, you know, Nobles academically gives you the, the opportunity to pursue an Ivy. And a lot of our players on the team at Nobles had great grades and they were also great hockey players and great people. And obviously Harvard's in Boston and they wanted to stay close to home and all three, you know, pitchers kind of worked out for them, but Nobles does have a lot of Harvard BC commits for sure. Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, when you're with Noble, your teams had a lot of success. Just talk about what it's like being a part of that winning culture and how did that help your hockey development heading into college? Yeah, so I remember the first time I went to the Nobles rink, there's this big banner and it's on the back wall and it has all the championships Noble has, Nobles has won and the ISL and then the prep league. And um, I remember looking and there was like eight or nine straight years that Nobles uh, in a row won the ISL. And I know it was kind of like an expectation that Nobles had and that's the culture that you kind of were brought into at the first day in the locker room. It's something that they take pride in and um, and, you know, to see a team win that consistently um, and kind of have players that, you know, start in seventh grade for some of them and they're on the team for six years and they already know as eighth graders what, you know, eighth and ninth graders, you know, this is the legacy we create here and this is what we aim for. So I felt when I came in, I was already part of a winning culture, um, part of the alumni that created that. But that was, you know, something that caught my attention right away. It wasn't the big rink. It wasn't, you know, the locker room. It was that banner that, you know, just showed year after year the consistency the program brings. And um, that's something I wanted to help Nobles, you know, continue to do. And I was just a small piece of the puzzle for that. But um, we ended up doing it both times, and that was super exciting. And my, my senior year, we won the, the NESCAT again. So that was awesome, one of the, you know, best memories I have growing up and, you know, a really sad day too, knowing I, you know, no longer was a, a bulldog, but, you know, knowing I leave behind a legacy that was created before me and something I could continue. So. Yeah. At least you won it, won it in your final game. Most people can't say that. So I think that's, <laughs> that's a cool thing to at least uh, leave on. For sure. Now, how did Nobles ultimately prepare you for college hockey? 
Yeah, so it was definitely the practices, um, like practicing every single day against, you know, players that were also going to be playing college hockey at a high level and, you know, playing against U18 national players, former and, you know, future. Um, every single day at practice was a battle and you were earning your spot in the lineup. And, you know, uh, my junior year, I actually played defense for the team because um, Mr. Rezor needed a defenseman and I was a pretty good backwards skater. And, um he was like hey like I think you can produce from back here and I I actually learned a whole new position and did really well at it and I liked it a lot and I ended up scoring just as much back there and obviously I had talent in front of me that you know was getting me the puck in the right areas but just kind of you know seeing when Mr. Rezor was more about the team and what was best for them and he said this year I need you on defense and I was like absolutely and I learned a whole position back there and you know, even now I, I know how to play it now. So if I need to play defense, I can play defense in certain situations and it helped offensively um, for sure. And that's just kind of in college hockey. Like I, I'm very versatile with, you know, I can play left wing, right wing, center. And a lot of that was from Mr. Rezor. So that really helped me in college, you know, not having a set position where they needed to play me. They could kind of throw me around wherever they needed and I would adjust immediately. Um, so that's something that I credit Mr. Rezor for, for sure. Cause he never really gave you a set position. It was where the team needed you. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, like you were mentioning about some of the UA team, U18 team players that you were playing with at Nobles, but you yourself were also a part of the U18 world championships where you won a gold medal. Just talk about that experience. What was it like for you? And what's it like uh, putting on that U.S. jersey for the first time and just all the emotions going through your head, representing your country? For sure. So, yeah, ever since I went to like the first national camp, I every time we had the seminar meetings, I would have my notebook out and I would write down everything they said that was needed to make the national team or what they look for in a national team player. And um, the first year I made the national team, we were out in Budapest, Hungary, and we lost to Canada five to one in the final game. And I remember the following year saying, like, if I get another opportunity to, to play on the U18 team again, like, I definitely want to be on the other side of that. And be singing with my teammates, you know, with the national anthem in Buffalo. And um, I think our whole team, the returners that we had from Budapest, we, I remember we got together with the strength coach in the summer and she was like, you guys need to lead, you know, us back to gold medals. And, um, and this needs to be a standard that, you know, if you guys start it with the program, then for years to come, it will start. And also, you know, the national team, the Olympics, it's, it's something that all kind of catches together. And, I, our group really talked and communicated all summer in hopes that we'd all be on the team again. And all of us did make it. And, you know, when we got to the gold medal game, I think our team had a very strong culture. Um, you know, we were very close knitted. We, you know, had a great leader, Jinsi Dunn. She was probably the best captain I've ever had. And um, the way she kind of composed the team and composed herself and she was our best player on the team too. And uh, someone we looked to, we you know when we needed, you know, a strong talk in the locker room or, you know, a goal or an assist on the ice or a big defensive play. And, you know, for her to get that winning goal, I, I couldn't have think of someone better to get it um, because she just does everything the right way. And she really led our team that year. Um, and, you know, we all followed her, you know, we, we respected her as a leader. And I think that got everyone else on board too, as everyone realized that we had great coaches and a great leader that, you know, knew the process and knew what needed to be done to win. And so winning that gold medal is like, it still gives me the chills to this day. It's I have the medal hanging in my room with the jersey and, um, you know, just playing for USA Hockey and being part of that is something that, you know, I hope to do again one day. And 
um, it's just, you know, there's no greater honor than having to represent your country and at a world stage like that. So. Yeah, no, and I think Jincy Dunn is very is an underrated player. I feel like she still doesn't get the credit she deserves just because watching her uh, with Ohio State uh, last year, I thought she was one of the best defensemen in the country, and I heard no one talk about her, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, no, Jincy, Jincy, in my opinion, is the best defenseman I've ever played with ever. Um, she, I've never seen a defenseman be able to create time and space the way she does and how poised she is with the puck. I, I really don't remember Jincy ever turning a puck over ever. Um, she's just so calm. And I think what's more great about Jincy is how great of a person and leader she is. And she is someone that can change a culture. She can change a program just by her off ice presence. And, um, I, I hope that, you know, with the Olympics coming up that she gets, you know, on that team because she's just overall the perfect picture of what USA hockey, you know, talks about and resembles and that's Jincy. And um, I've obviously stayed really close with her and I went to school with her brother, Josh. Um, he's up at Clarkson and the family's just awesome. But yeah, to this day, Jincy's the bestie I've ever played with um, hands down. So. Yeah. And uh, her sister plays for Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Her sister. Uh, yeah. Her sister plays at Minnesota. Also really, really great player. And then their younger sister, Joy, I think she's like one of the best 05s in the country. So I'm sure she'll have a, a similar road to Gen C and her brother and uh, her sister as well. So I'm looking forward to see where she ends up. That's a big hockey family. I can't yeah, imagine. Yeah, for sure. Four siblings making it D1. That's crazy to think about. For sure. <laughs> now, uh, just talk about the selection process a little bit. How? What's it like? And uh, just talk about what the reaction you had uh, when you made the team uh, for Budapest and for Buffalo? Yeah. So the selection process is obviously really like really long. You, you start out in your state. So I tried out with mass hockey and then from mass hockey, you get selected if uh, to national camp and then from national camp, there's an all-star game. And then from the all-star game, there's Lake Placid invites where they narrow it down to 33 players and, you go to Lake Placid at the Olympic Training Village and you try out there and they kind of narrow that process down to 22 players for a series. And then they evaluate you after that from like September to November to pick the world championship roster to, to represent the team. So the mindset I had, I looked at it as I have to just make each thing at a time. So when I was in mass hockey, I was just focusing on getting to the camp. And when I was at camp, I was just focusing on getting to the all-star game. Um, and then from the all-star game, I was hoping for an opportunity. So I kind of just took it step by step and, you know, um, try to trust the process and just do what I could to be part of it. Um, but it's definitely, you know, a long process and it, it can be, you know, sometimes mentally really tough when, you know, you're, you're trying your best and there's a lot of other great players too. And um, every year USA Hockey might be looking for something different and there's new coaches every cycle that, you know, might like a different style of play. So, you know, at a young age, you have to just remind yourself that you just do what you can do and um, know and trust the process that the coaches are picking who they think is the best group to go forward. And um, and that's kind of the mindset that I had each year that, you know, I just needed to take it, you know, step by step and do what I could at any opportunity I got to, you know, try out. Um, and I was just fortunate that both coaches that I had, Jeff Campersell and Joel Johnson, they, they, you know, took a chance in me and allowed me to play on two world championship teams. So now transitioning to college hockey, uh, what was your recruitment process like and why did you originally commit to Boston College? Yeah, um, so I actually uh, originally committed to Harvard. Um, 
at a really young age. I was in ninth grade and um, obviously it was a dream of mine to, to play there. And then um, I started taking the ACT test and I, I wasn't hitting the scores that were needed to get into an Ivy League. And I ultimately had to make a decision with my family if I was going to do a post-grad year and um, PG to, to try to get into Harvard the following year or if I was going to go and play college hockey, um, you know, as a normal freshman. And I was already older for my grade. I was one of the older kids as it was. And I, you know, my senior year, I just really wanted to get to college and get to the next level and, you know, start playing against higher competition. So um, I ultimately decided that, you know, BC would be a, another great fit for me. It was close to home and I didn't have a ton of time to make that decision because um, it was senior year when I didn't get into Harvard. So um, I was kind of scrambling and, you know, obviously panicking a little bit with, you know, not knowing what I was going to do or who had money left or who even had spots left. Um, and BC obviously reached out to me and um, I had Courtney Kennedy as a coach at the U18 team. So I was like, this seems like a great fit. And, you know, somewhere that I was looking kind of with Harvard, I wanted to be close to home. I wanted to be near my family and um, play in a strong league and hockey East had a great reputation. So that's kind of how I ended up at Boston college. Um, and then uh, my junior year, I, I kind of was just losing passion and not, you know, really myself on the ice. And, you know, I just found that I wasn't loving hockey as much as I, you know, did in the past. And that was really hard on me because hockey for me is, you know, everything. And um, I've never had that feeling before. And I just couldn't get out of that feeling the entire season. And, you know, I spoke to my family and past coaches and, you know, they were like, it's unusual for you to not you know, be, you know, the first kid at the rink and the first kid wanting to be there. And, you know, I said to myself, do I finish my senior year at, at Boston College or do I take a chance and try to like go find a place where I'm going to be happier? And I decided that I was going to take the chance of putting myself in the portal. And um, I had a, a conversation with Matt DeRocher. He was one of the coaches that reached out to me at Clarkson after I was in the portal. And I immediately just connected with everything that he talked about, the culture of his program, um, the way he coaches, the, you know, three national championships that Clarkson won. And um, I went out for a visit and I, at my visit, I ended up committing. I, I knew right away, like this, this is where I need to be. And I got a very similar Nobles vibe. Like when I walked in the rink, I saw the three time U8, you know, the three three time national championship banner. And it was very like, wow, this just seems like nobles to me. And um, I didn't know really much about Clarkson at all before I, I went there. I didn't know anyone on the team really besides Elizabeth Jaguer, but not in like a personal level, just knowing of her. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to move eight hours from home and I'm going to, you know, give it a chance. And it's been the best decision I've ever made. Um, I'm so happy. I absolutely love Clarkson. I, Every time I put on the jersey, I just I'm just super grateful. And um, and then obviously my first game at Clarkson, I broke my collarbone and had a really bad shoulder dislocation. And um, and I ultimately needed surgery. I thought I wasn't going to, and um, I wasn't healing correctly. And you know after MRIs and X-rays, you know five months after my injury, I just wasn't where I needed to be. So they had to go in and you know repair everything. And um. I was really obviously nervous about that, not ever really having an opportunity to play for Clarkson. I only had a game and not even a game, a period and a half. And um, so I had a red shirt the whole season and I was out for like 14 months of no hockey, no skating. Um, and that was, you know, really hard for me. And obviously at Clarkson, it was, 
it was really hard because I didn't have, you know, teammates that I knew right away. Um, but the team kind of welcomed me with open arms, even when I was injured and they, you were like, you know, next year, this is your year and we're going to help you get back to where you were and be even better. And Matt really held that to me. Like every time I was on the ice in the summer, I was like, I'm, I'm working at it. I'm trying to get back. And he's like, it's going to take some time. And he had a lot of faith in me right from the start. And I think that's ultimately like my confidence from the start, right from my injury. I, I was ready. Um, and then this eligibility thing happened. So I ended up with another year. And I, it was kind of a no brainer for me. Like I never once said, I don't want to come back to Clarkson. Um, when Matt asked me right away, I, I was an immediate yes. I didn't even have to talk to my family. I didn't have to talk to my friends. Like I just knew I won't want to be here again. So I actually ended up getting the same time at BC as I did at Clarkson. So that's been, you know, kind of funny. And I just think, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I'm just really excited for another year of you know, full season in the ECAC and play against different teams and another year of development under coach Matt and Britt and Tony. Like um, that's really why I came to Clarkson. A big part of it was to play for them. And um, they've been more than what I thought they were going to be. And um, so, yeah. And to have fans back at the building as well, because I feel like things are getting back to normal. So hopefully it will yeah. be kind of a normal season next year. I don't want to yeah, assume we, we anything, though. Yeah, we haven't found out about the fans yet, but I'm hoping because uh, when I was injured, like the fan base in Potsdam is for women's hockey. It's, you know, it's probably right under like a Wisconsin, but, you know, there's so many fans in the stands and the whole Potsdam community knows the hockey team. And, you know, when you're going grocery shopping and they see your hockey jacket, they, they actually talk to you and they're like, oh my gosh, you play on the women's hockey team. You know, our kids know you or we're big fans. And um, I remember when I was at BC and we played Clarkson, it was almost sold out. And that was probably the biggest college hockey crowd I've ever played in front of. And um, the fans in Potsdam are just awesome. And they really care about, you know, women's hockey, which, you know, in Boston, there's just so many other things. There's so many other programs. There's the Bruins, there's the Celtics. So, you know, we didn't get many fans at BC um, just because there is so, so many other things going on in a big city, but a small town like Potsdam, like, you know, we are their Boston Bruins and, um, and they treat us like that. So it's, it's been really cool. Now, can we talk a little bit about uh, your Boston College hockey experience? Yeah, sure. Uh, my first question to you is uh, you won the Beanpot your freshman year. Uh, just talk about that experience, uh, what it was like being a part of those games and to win it all your freshman year, because I think people don't realize how big the Beanpot is until like you get to Boston and actually watch one, because I've grown, grown up here my entire life, and it's just one of the best uh, Februarys in, of the year. Right, for sure. So, yeah, so obviously I grew up going to all the Beanpot games and um, specifically I would go watch Kendall Coin. So um, my first Beanpot game, I was I was super excited and it's kind of all they talk about when you're at BC is, you know, playing against Harvard and BU and the Beanpot and being able to like be the best team in Boston. That's kind of what that trophy is about. And um, to win that was super cool. And I just, yeah, I was just, I remember seeing Kendall Coyne hold the trophy and when she won that year and um, it kind of just reminded me of, you know, when I was younger and how badly, you know, I wanted to be part of that. But I definitely think people don't really know how big it is unless you're really part of it um, because it is like one of the biggest, you know, trophy tournaments in Boston. And, you know, Court and Kinger, the coaches at BC would always say like, you don't get many opportunities to play for a championship all the time. Um, and that was a championship. So that was, you know, something that we got to do before um, the Hockey East playoffs or before the NCAA playoffs. We got to be put in like a, a playoff format. 
Um, so it definitely helped with like, you know, calming down the nerves when I got into hockey East knowing, okay, my team's already played in a playoffs and, you know, we did win and, you know, we had a very confident team and very hardworking team, but, you know, having that playoff mentality feeling definitely carries a long way when you're going into a bigger playoff. So. And you also won hockey East your freshman year as well uh, in overtime. Nonetheless, just talk about that game and what was it like winning both the Beanpot and hockey East uh, your first year? In college for sure so yeah I think when I was at BC uh, the year I got there they lost like Haley Skarupa and Alex Carpenter you know two of like the best women's hockey college hockey players ever to play and um so I think a lot of teams kind of doubted what BC was going to have when those two left and you know I remember some people might have thought our team was going to be you know a little bit weaker or you know a development type of year to you kind of get back the goals missing from Alex and, and Haley and um, you know, many of the other seniors that provided a ton of offensive and defensive, you know, capabilities. And um, our, our team kind of felt like underdogs the whole year, um, just kind of the way that, you know, other teams might have thought of, thought of us. But um, to win that championship, I think it, it was really awesome for the seniors that were there. I know our, our senior captain, Andy, she actually scored the winning goal. And um, she was a huge part of BC and a huge part of the culture there. And um that obviously just have her score the winning goal. That was, that was really cool. And, you know, for the seniors and, you know, for the program and just, you know, for everyone that didn't really think that BC would be BC still. Um, so that feeling was unbelievable. And obviously, you know, you don't get, like I said, many chances to compete for championships. And, you know, when you're in high school, there's so many different tournaments that you play in and showcases and opportunities to compete for medals and you know in college there's really only you know your your conference playoffs and then the NCAA tournament so um to win you know something in college hockey was really cool and special and you know one of the best memories I have at BC for sure. And then you uh, lost to Wisconsin in the Frozen Four that year. Uh, talk about your first tournament experience even though you lost uh, in the Frozen Four against a really good Wisconsin team. For sure um yes yeah, so that's been the only Frozen Four I've ever been part of since but um yeah we lost to Wisconsin with like 17 seconds left and you know it's something I I still think about to this day and um you know a really hard fought game between both teams and um you know I think Hockey East has always been kind of known as a league that might be easier than the WCHA and um I think that game kind of proved that there wasn't really any difference in the league you play in like you know the shots were pretty equal um it was a back and forth environment and I think either team you know could have got that bounce um and you know our goalie played incredible the whole game and their goalie ended up winning the Kazmaier award and she had a great game breakaway saves you know really good like backdoor pass saves and Katie Bird our goalie did the same thing so it was kind of one of those things where someone was going to score and it was going to be a one nothing game. That was kind of the whole mentality. You could see, you know, no one was going to give up an easy goal. Um, but, you know, it was great for, you know, the WCHA and for fans to realize that, you know, Hockey East does have a lot of talent and um, the league is really great and prepares you for, you know, a, a, a tournament like that. And, um, you know, it's something that still stings my heart a bit. And I hope that if I, you know, with Clarkson this year, get an opportunity to play in the, the national tournament that, you know, it's something I'm going to remember. And, you know, I want to get back to a frozen four and I want to get to a national championship game. So um, it's definitely something to remember that, you know, you can't take shifts off and not even 17 seconds because, you know, they can score. Anyone can score in the matter of one, you know, one missed opportunity or one turnover. So um, it's definitely been a learning experience for sure. And, um, 
but you know it was a, a really sad you know moment for our team too but I think you know BC has continued to be successful and um they learned from that and um the whole team learned from that I've learned from it so um, I'm sure they'll be back in those games you know eventually so and you also got to play under Coach Crowley, who, in my opinion, is one of the best uh, head coaches, not just in college hockey, but just in hockey in general. What was it like uh, getting the opportunity to play under such a great coach like her? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kinger, obviously, um, is a very well-known hockey coach. And, you know, she she's an Olympian herself, so she's done what every college hockey player is trying to do is, you know, get to the highest level. And, you know, she had a knack for scoring goals and, you know, someone that everyone respects in the college hockey world. And, um, you know, it was an honor to play for her and learn from her. And, um, and, you know, kind of she was someone that I, you know, want to be like. I, I want to be a college coach and I, I hope to one day be an Olympian or, you know, on the national team again and to have a coach that's been through what you want to go through um, was really cool to learn from. And I definitely have taken from what she taught me the, the years I was at BC and, um, you know, learned from it and going to continue to learn from what she did. And yeah, I'm just grateful that she gave me an opportunity to attend BC for three years. Uh, do you have any funny Coach Crowley stories? Because I heard her and Coach uh, Kennedy are very funny together. Um, yeah. 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 They're, they're both very funny. Um, I mean, there's probably so many stories. I mean, every day with them, you know, there was always something you were laughing about. Um, you know, they both really feed off each other's energy really well. And, you know, it's not like the big stories. I remember it's like the small ones of, you know, small jokes they would play or, um, you know, just like, you know, small things they would say on the bus rides or, you know, small conversations you'd have with them, you know, at a game before the game and you have like a five second conversation and you just leave your, you know, leave laughing for the next, you know, 10 minutes, like that's the type of coaches they were. And, um there's just honestly so many you know small things I could name that made me laugh when I was around them but um I guess there was one that me and McKenna Newkirk we wore Tom Brady jerseys to practice one day and um and you know Court and Kinger they would I mean Court and uh Kinger they just absolutely loved it and you know laughed as, as hard as they could and um we were like some of us would put on like our full equipment if we had to travel the practices outside of Conti and you know, the bus rides, you know, the comments that court was court would make on the, on the way there. Just, you know, she's just funny. They're just funny people. Um, and you know, it was like the little conversations that I remember that made me laugh the most, not some big, you know, thing that they did that everyone remembers. It's more small things. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now you also you won the bean pot again your sophomore year. Uh, this time it was at Conti Farm, which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, just how did how did that bean pot compare to the one your freshman year? I just talked about uh, winning uh, the bean pot in your home rink. Yeah, so um, my sophomore year was kind of another year where we we lost a lot of you know really good players. We lost our three best players to the Olympics. Um, we lost Keller, Barnes, and Tally Flanagan. So you know, it was another year where I think a lot of people doubted BC, um, you know, three out of our six defensemen were going to be at the Olympics and, you know, big, big defensemen that, you know, are the best in, in college hockey. So I think once again, our team had a very underdog type of mentality and um, we had another great leader, Tony Miano, um, very similar to Andy, but a senior that kind of took control over the defensive blue line and someone that, you know, really carried our team and really 
like stuck up and stood up for what we needed and you know was one of the best D I've ever played for and she actually got the winning goal in the bean, to- the bean pot as well so um that moment was awesome I, I remember I was on the ice I was actually screening the goalie on the play and I, I saw thought go in and you know that was another mentality that our team was like we you know we don't need you know necessarily all the best players we just need the people we have with us right now and um and that's kind of the whole mentality we had like we knew we were missing you know the three best players on the team and we couldn't wait for them to come back the following year but you know they were off at the olympics you know going to win a gold medal and we had to find a way as a team to come together and you know find a way to win and every player in our team had a really important role that year and um, all of our defense stepped it up and our forwards had to step it up too, because, you know, those D weren't just great D they also produced a lot of goals. Um, so our whole team had a role and I think that's what ultimately made us so successful. Um, and obviously we had Daryl Watts, a freshman who, you know, was the probably the, the best college women's hockey player right now. And, you know, she had a terrific freshman year that, you know, you don't see out of a freshman and, you know, I got fortunate enough to be on her line and, you know, we're, we're actually, you know, best friends to this day and someone that I miss playing with every single day. But, um, you know, she had a great year for us too. And she scored a big goal in that game. And um, Molly Slow, another player who me and Daryl played with that game had, you know, one of the biggest goals of the game to, to tie it up. And um, it was just overall like a really great team effort. And that bean pot, you know, was a full, a full team effort um, the entire game. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And just thinking about how Daryl Watts uh, transitioned from Boston College to Wisconsin is pretty cool to think about. Uh, just because she, I think she won the Patty Kazmaier that year, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she yeah she won it her freshman year, and um, yeah, I mean she, I think she had forty something goals her as a freshman, and you know definitely super well deserving. And um, yeah, to, I know she's at Wisconsin now, and you know, like I said, she's one of my best friends, and she's really happy and. I'm happy to see the success that she's continuing to do in the WCHA. It's remarkable the numbers that she's put up. And um, she's just a great person, great teammate, and, you know, unbelievable goal scorer. She, I've never seen a forward have the knack of scoring goals like Daryl. So um, definitely a player I hope to play with after college somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we always talk about trying to be on the same team in some kind of league again and just be on a line and, you know, have some fun again because, you know, we both say to this day we're the, the favorite line mates to ever play with. So. Um. Yeah. Uh, what were What were your thoughts on our first uh, IG post? Could that went kind of viral in the college hockey world? Yeah. Um. I, I thought it was awesome. I mean, Daryl. Daryl's always been a kid that wanted to win a national championship, like everybody else. And you know, she's such a team-oriented player. Um. You know, Daryl's not about individual success. She really couldn't care how she does personally, and. She's very humble, and even when she won the Patty Kazmaier, I remember in her speech, she thanked everybody. Um, you know, she ultimately was at Wisconsin to win a national championship, and if you, you know, listen to her podcast or you even talk to her, that was her number one goal of going to Wisconsin was to win a national championship, and that's all she was focused on. Um, and she's just a great a great team player. Like, you know, she's not she's not cocky. She's not, she's not selfish by any means. So that post was, you know, for her team. Um, and I just thought it was awesome because, you know, she, she had the winning goal that game and she didn't talk about that one. She talked about her team winning and, you know, her post-game interview was all about how her team won and how she was so excited and she could really care less that she was the one that scored the goal. Um, and I think everyone that knows Daryl, you know, knows how, how humble she is and how team-oriented she is. So that post, you know, was more about her team and everyone that knows Daryl knows that. So um, 
yeah, it was just, it was a really cool instant debut. Um, we all try to get Daryl to post multiple times. So that was a, a great, you know, first photo racked up a lot of likes and followers. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know she's a humble person, but when, are, how are you going to campaign to get her that blue check mark? Cause I feel like she deserves one. <laughs> I think Daryl's name will eventually get her to that check mark. I think she has an incredibly bright future and you know, she's, she is one of the best college hockey players to ever play. I mean, for four years of college hockey, she's ranked, I think, top in goals at least, you know, three out of the four years or at least in points. Um, she's just very consistent and um, she has a bright future with whatever she plans on doing. I, I mean, she should be an Olympian, no doubt in my mind. Um, so I'm sure, you know, wherever she ends up, she's going to get that that blue check mark. I'm sure without any advocating, she'll, you know, she'll deserve that and get that because um, she's just she's awesome. So. Yeah, I think what made that post cool was like it had her scoring the winning goal, had her and her teammates uh, lifting up the trophy, and then it also had the collision that she had in the first period of that game. So it had everything uh, that involved that game. Like if you ever needed a quick recap of what happened with the national championship right. game, you can just scroll through that post. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk a little bit about this past year that you had with Clarkson. So transitioning from the injury and then obviously the pandemic hits, uh, how'd you deal with all the challenges that this year brought to your team uh, with the schedule changes that happened a lot uh, with only three other teams in the ECAC playing and then also not having any fans in the stands. It seemed like for yourself, you had to go through a lot just to play this year and obviously try to win a tournament. It seems like it was, I think the, everyone's main goal this past year is just to play, not really just to win a tournament. For sure. So, yeah, I think, like, you know, my mentality was I, I didn't get to play the year before. So, you know, all I really cared about was if we had someone to play. I, I didn't care who it was or how many times we had to play them. I just wanted to get on the ice. I just wanted to play games. And I think our team was the same way. Like, we were just really grateful that, you know, Clarkson did allow us to play, um, especially when a lot of our league didn't. Um, you know, the university really valued that we wanted to play and they wanted us to play and they did everything they could for us to play every game that we possibly could. And our, our coaches were, you know, great with, you know, getting our team under the impression that every day might be different. And, you know, every practice could be your last practice, depending on what's happening, what the COVID numbers were, you know, who was being infected. And, you know, our team did a really great job. We were very diligent and, you know, what we did outside of the rink and, um, you know, knock on wood, we didn't get a single COVID case on our team the entire season. And that um, kind of shows the, you know, the respect that we had for, you know, our, our university that they wanted us to play. And we, you know, put our part in on, you know, the weekends, we, we didn't do much. We, you know, stayed in our rooms when we had to. And, um, you know, we were very cautious in the classroom by, you know, not trying to sit next to too many people. We wore our masks diligently and, um, we just try to do everything we could to, to play and practice. And, you know, we ended up playing Colgate 10 times out of, you know, our 20 games. And, um, you know, some people could have looked at it as, you know, it's like uh, another game against Colgate. But for us, it was like another opportunity to play against a top 10 team and another opportunity to play against a good hockey team, a team that's going to make your club better. Um, and, you know, we were just excited to play. So we didn't care who it was against. We just wanted to play games. And, um, we ended up playing St. Lawrence, you know, I think five or six times and then LIU twice and then Quinnipiac twice. So we didn't really get a, a wide range of teams. Um, it was mostly, you know, Colgate and St. Lawrence. And 
you know, every game was important and every game we were learning more about our team and, you know, finding ways to get to the national championship. And, you know, we didn't this year and, um, you know, we, we have a lot to work on as a, a group and a team, but we still are really proud of, you know, what we did this season under the circumstances we had and how diligent we were with COVID. And, you know, obviously it's a virus that you can't really avoid. I mean, you don't know how you're contracting it or how you're going to get it. And um, our team just did everything we could. I mean, we even grocery shopped online and had, you know, food put in the back of our car so we didn't have to go in person for grocery stores. Um, and that was just little things that we did to, to try to just continue to play. Um, and our coaches, like I said, they were, they sacrificed a lot too. They sacrificed family time, you know, going on family vacations for Christmas to visit other people to let us play. And I think, you know, our team was really thankful for that. So. <coughs> yeah, no, yeah. that's, a, that's a crazy to think about. Cause like as a fan, you don't realize uh, all the stuff that the players have to go through just to play a season. So I have a for lot sure. of respect for you guys uh, just doing all the stuff you can just to play and, I think, yeah, no, it's hopefully it's going to be a little less restrictive uh, next year, which I think most people are looking forward to. Now, sure. just talk about the freshman class that came in this year to your team and the impact that they made, especially players like Nicole Gosling, like we just talked about, um, just how good she was and how she helped uh, impact the team and what she was like as a teammate both on and off the ice. For sure. Yeah. Our, um, our freshman class was, they were great. They, every single freshman um, and very, you know, they, everything could have asked for them to do plus more. They all contributed a lot. I mean, Nicole was a big part of our defense and, you know, the way she plays is way above she you know you know my second game playing with her I felt like I was playing with a senior on defense she's very calm she's very poised um and off the ice she holds herself you know to a very high standard she's very mature um you know someone that is a natural leader um as a freshman and, um you know she did a, a great job for us back the year she you know works super hard and um, she's one of the, another great D I've, I've been really fortunate to have awesome D that I played with, but Nicole is, you know, probably one of the best freshmen I've ever, you know, played with. She's just, you know, mature beyond her years. And then, you know, Michelle, um, our goalie, I mean, she played in a lot of games this season too, and she was lights out. I mean, she was so, so dominant, so calm. She won us so many games. Um, and, you know, a goalie that I really look forward to having this season. I mean, she's, you know, one of the had one of the best numbers this year as a freshman in college hockey, and um, I can only imagine, you know, as a sophomore, how much better she's going to be. And she's very calm, very poised. You know, she doesn't get frazzled, rattled really easily. Um, and then Florence Lassard was a freshman that me and Gabrielle played with on the line this year, and you know, Flo was awesome. She's another really mature player, um, really fast, really quick, and you know, helped our team in a lot of different areas and was a big part of our line success. And then, you know. We had uh, Jaden Bogdan, another great, great player um, who, you know, big, strong, tall forward that, you know, does everything that she needs to do to, to help the team. And then we had um, Emily Oosterville, another forward who, who scored some goals and um, helped our team in, in a lot of different areas. Great team, you know, player, locker and girl. So um, we just had a really great freshman class that all of them, you know, did what they needed to do to, to help us win and, um, they all played, you know, a really important part. But obviously, you know, Nicole was, you know, a our only freshman defenseman. And, you know, she, she really did great for us and played a lot of minutes. I think probably 
the most minutes on the team and um and she did everything that she could every game to give us a chance to win so that was great now another thing i wanted to ask you was uh in the playoffs you played against st lawrence and uh, you unfortunately lost that game on a controversial goal how are you going to use that game uh, uh, for motivation for next year and just talk about what you took away from that whole situation yeah, that uh, that game was obviously, you know, really frustrating. You know, we were down, I think, three goals. We were losing three to zero. And then to come back and, you know, you know, tie that game with a couple, you know, I think we tied it with like less than 30 seconds to go and to go into overtime and to have like a gutsy, you know, comeback three nothing. You know, I think we we're going into the second or third period and we were down three to zero and to come back like that. And, you know, we started to outplay them. Uh, we were out shooting them by a lot. And, you know, I, I really thought going into overtime that we were going to win the game. I you know, usually not, you know, someone to say, okay, we're definitely going to win. But I had that mentality feeling that our team was going to score that last goal. And then, you know, the puck hit off the ceiling and or off speakers and then drops and it was just very you know kind of a, a way to 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 lose the game and you know not a typical goal that you know nine out of ten times the goal but it was and it happened and um you know we were upset by it and you know it, it was it was kind of a stinger but you know at the end of the day like a team has to win or lose and um you know they they were the better team I guess throughout that series I mean um, we played them, I think, four times, and they were kind of just all over us all the time. And um, they were definitely a great, a great team. That, you know, that game, yeah, they, maybe we should have won it, but they did. Um, and our, our team kind of had the mentality that next time we play, you can't rely on overtime or rely on coming back in three goals to win. You need to, you know, be on top of a team from the start. Um, so going into next year and opportunity to play St. Lawrence and other teams like – you know, we need to kind of have that mentality. We can't wait for the last minute to start coming back. We need to start capitalizing on and always be the one chasing. So definitely a learning experience. And, you know, I, I hope that we get opportunity to play them multiple times this year. Again, it's always a great game. It's a great rivalry between both teams and um, always just a fun, fast, close game. So, um, yeah, we definitely learned a lot from it. And, you know, obviously the bounce that day didn't go our way. So. Yeah, especially since you guys, in my opinion, were outplaying them in overtime. You guys were getting, sustaining a lot of offensive pressure, and then unfortunately sure. a bad break happens and then the season's over. So, But that's hockey for you. you know, sometimes the bounces don't go your sure. way. So we're now for in a sure. segment I like to call the non-hockey segment where I ask you some non-hockey questions just about yourself. It's kind of a speed round type of thing. So are you ready for it? Sure. Awesome. So who is the funniest teammate at Clarkson, in your opinion? Uh, it's definitely Murgaudet. Uh She's yeah, she's she's definitely the funniest on the team. Um, everyone laughs when she's around her. Super just gullible and makes you laugh. I think everyone would probably say her. So <laughs> now, besides yourself, who has the best style on the team? Oh gosh, uh, I don't think I have the best style at all. I would probably say Amanda Zeglin. Um, on and off the ice, she's very uh, put together. She always looks very nice. Um, she takes pride in what she wears and where all she dresses. And um, yeah, she has a lot of nice clothes and her style on the ice. She has great pads, sick helmet. So probably her. Now, if you could have lunch with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? 
Mia Hamm, for sure. Um, I played soccer growing up, and she was, besides Kendall Coyne, someone that I looked up to. And I just think that, you know, she's so much bigger than a soccer player, and she teaches leadership qualities and, you know, more importantly, a person. And that's something that, you know, I want to be known as. So definitely Mia Hamm. She's married to Nomar. Am I wrong? I don't actually know. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, because that'll be kind of a cool lunch just because you get to have a Red Sox legend uh, there. Yeah. Well, I feel like so that'll be awesome. Yeah. Now, uh, if you what music do you like to listen to, just in on, in general or before a game, like what's your go-to stuff? I I listen to country uh, pretty much all the time, every day, all day. I don't really listen to much other music. So. Nice. Is there, are you more new school or old school? Um, I like new school stuff. I like like Zach Brown band or Lady Antebellum or Kane Brown. Um, all the new like country hits. I usually I drive a lot, so I listen to a lot of the new music. And then before a game, it's always country music. Nice. Like I know Thomas Rhett released a new album recently. Yep. Is that something yep. you're jamming out to right now? Yeah, I listened to his a lot, and um, I know Chris Stapleton released a couple new songs that have been pretty good, so I throw those on in the car, but always country playlist. <laughs> That's awesome. I've been getting to a guy called Chase Rice. I'm, I'm assuming you've heard of him before, but he is. Yeah, I, I, I've actually been to his concert. Oh, that's he awesome. Was a, who opening, yeah, he was an opening performer, I believe, for uh, Kane Brown, so that was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Now I've started to get into some of his songs, especially the Eyes on You one. That's a good one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last non-hockey question is, what is your biggest pet peeve? Uh, I'll go first. I guess mine is bad driving. Uh, when you, I don't know if about you, but the traffic in New England has been just getting worse by the day. And some of these drivers, man, they're just awful. And I feel like people need to like kind of calm down, not go too fast, not go too slow, just uh, – read the signs and just be a decent driver I feel like but it's just been yeah I know <laughs> that's for sure I definitely find myself honking my horn a lot more here than I do in Potsdam so I agree with that one um my biggest pet peeve um probably like chewing with your mouth full I I just think sometimes like you know when you're at dinner with friends just kind of eat your food before you talk it kind of grosses me out when you know food's being spit around or something it my dad does it all the time and I always get on about it um so that's definitely something I I say a lot to him so yeah 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 no definitely I will the one thing I will say on the driving thing though is in Massachusetts I don't know if you know this but it's the hardest state to get a driver's license in uh, so that should show that, so we might be better drivers than most people uh, yeah. in other countries yeah. or in other For states. Sure. For sure. So back to some hockey questions now. Um, the first question I want to ask you is just uh, what advice would you give a younger player who's listening on how to make it to the next level um, after high school, like in the D1 or D3 level? Yeah, my biggest advice would be to kind of take each year at a time, like don't, you know, don't look too far ahead, you know, of where you are and, you know, trust the process. I think a lot of kids, you know, expect like I'm going to do summer skating for one summer and my skating's going to be dramatically different, you know, when I play and, you know, that's not always the case, you know, in order to get better at something, like in order to, you know, score more goals, you got to shoot more pucks and it's not just shooting pucks for a day, it's, you know, shooting pucks for years. Um, and that's kind of my biggest advice and advice that I was told is like, you can't just practice something once you have to practice it, you know, so many times it's like muscle memory. 
Um, and sometimes you're not going to see the results you want right from the beginning, but it's, you know, at the end, what, what you see. Um, and I'd, I'd say the same advice when you're kind of going in the college process, like, you know, you might not, you know, know what you want as a freshman, but, you know, you might know what you want as a junior and you shouldn't look as a freshman. Okay. What do I want to be as a junior? You got to kind of let that self pave its way out. And, um, and ultimately like you have to work hard, you have to be very diligent in everything, your eating habits, you know, your sleep habit, um, you know, who you are as a person, how your grades are, um, you know, how you are as a hockey player, if you're coachable, there's just so many things that you have to focus on other than just being the best skater, the best goal scorer. And I think sometimes that gets taken out of context. You know, they, they don't realize it's, it's more than just a one-time thing. And um, so that's the biggest advice I give to all the team coaches, you know, do things the right way every single day and those things add up to the big picture. So now, obviously, there's been a lot of news recently about women's hockey with the World Championships being canceled and rescheduled, and obviously with Robert Morris losing their men's and women's hockey programs. So my question to you is, uh, what should be done to help grow the sport of women's hockey? Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely seeing, you know, the World Championship not happen and obviously see the men's happen, that can be, you know, kind of disappointing just because, you know, us women and the women that made the team, they put in a lot of work, not just one tryout. They put in years, five years, 10 years for that opportunity. Um, and ultimately we are in a pandemic. So I, I don't know why the decision was made in Canada, but it was made. Um, but, you know, it just, women's hockey has been on the back burner for so long now. And it it's sad to see because there are such incredible, you know, women's hockey players all around the world, from Finland, from Canada, from Germany, from Switzerland, from the States that, you know, should be showcased and should be, you know, showed on television all the time. And it's just not there yet. And, you know, to see Robert Morris go down, it, it's really sad to see because we only have – a certain, I think there's only 40 teams in, in women's college hockey. So have that one team go away. You know, we're not basketball or softball where there's hundreds of teams. Um, so every team matters. And that's, you know, another 22 spots each year that aren't available for women's hockey. So I just hope that, you know, you know, after this Olympic, you know, they're going to put on their best performance. And I hope that, you know, people watch and what the best players in, in the world are doing. And I hope that, you know, that transpires college hockey on television or like the boys and, um, and, you know, more colleges want to have a female program. I would love to see like Notre Dame get a program. Um, UMass Amherst, UMass Lowell. Like I would love them to have, you know, division one women's program and help grow the sport because our men's programs are so successful and so many girls would love to go to schools like that. So um, those are just hope and changes that I hope in 10 years at those three years, or decide to add on some team sport. Um, and that's all we can really do is continue to try to understand that women's hockey is important. And, you know, it is, um, it may not be like the men's, it may not be as, could be just as fast as players that are just as good. So. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. And I'm surprised that some of those schools that uh, don't have a women's hockey program, especially a school like Michigan, uh, who have who make sure. a ton of money with the football program, basketball, and then obviously their men's program is very successful, yet they don't have any women's hockey program in, in sure. the state of Michigan in general. And state of Michigan, if you just look at some of the Olympians, like I feel like there's like five or like a, a ton of Olympian hockey players that are from Michigan, both men's and women's. So that's like the biggest one sure. that surprised me. that surprised me the most. For sure. 
Now, I like to end off this podcast the same way I end off every podcast, but do you have any uh, shout-outs you'd like to give uh, to any of your teammates, uh, family members, friends? I know we shouted out a couple of your friends throughout the interview uh, just because that's the way the conversation went. But if there's anyone I forgot to mention, feel free to shout them out now. Yeah, I just shout out to my, my mom and dad and my brother, I guess. Um, they, they are just all been a huge part of, you know, um, my life. And um, I know I sometimes I, I really only mention my dad when it comes to hockey, but my mom is a huge cheerleader. And, um, you know, she gives that side of a parent that she's just happy um, no matter what the outcome is every game. Um, she just wants me to be happy. That's the most important thing. And, um, you know, I'm lucky to have, you know, a dad that pushes my best and a mom that, you know, just is a leader along the way. And other, um, he's been a, a huge part of, you know, my growing up. We're only a year apart. So we uh, play all the time to this day. And um, he's just a great kid, great guy, and someone that helped me, you know, all shot pucks with me every day when I wanted to shoot with someone. So, yeah, that's weird, very important to me. And um, I wouldn't, you know – college hockey player if it wasn't for them so just grateful <laughs> yeah that's awesome are you the oldest sibling or the youngest sibling yeah i'm, I'm one year older than him oh, okay um, yeah yeah yep. i'm the youngest brother so that's why i like to ask just because you know with those sibling rivalries that happen i feel like the youngest gets picked on the most sometimes yeah he's, he's definitely a mama's boy um <laughs> Yeah, he, him and my mom are as tight as any mom and son could be. So, um, yeah, he definitely gets a little away with more than I'd say I do. But um, he's awesome. And, you know, he, he's actually just joined the police uh, force. And he's a Boston police officer now. And, um, yeah, he, he loves it. And he, he's trying to make change and be part of that change. And um, so I'm really happy for him. He's actually the youngest kid in the class that graduated. So, um, super cool to see him, you know, mature and grow and already have a future. That, you know, he plans to do for the rest of his life. That's awesome. Well, congrats to him on that. And thank you so thank much you. for coming on the podcast. I wish you all the best thank you. for your future hockey endeavors and take care. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you to everyone who listened to today's episode. I really appreciate it and it means a lot to me. Make sure you follow our social media accounts and I'll see you guys next time with another great episode. But until then, take care everyone and have a great day. Bye. This love affair